I don't know why I'm taking a deep breath. I didn't sing that song. <laughs> Man, wow. Thank you, guys. Thank you, choir. Uh, thank all of you for joining in in worship. My goodness gracious, what a day. Uh, it's going to be worth it after a while, you know. People worked so hard just in that event last night. And, but it's going to be worth it. And one day... It's going to be worth it. One more soul comes down the aisle. I believe at four professions of faith last night, a rededication, and it's worth it all. And there's more to come. I really believe that. So it, it is worth, it's worth it all. And so uh, thank you for sharing in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, uh, please turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2. And while you're turning, let me just... Um, Remind you that Friend Day is coming up, the 30th, fifth Sunday of this month, and we've been working in prayer and then connecting with friends. And these two crosses you see uh, on each side of me here have the cards that our that pastor turned in on the first Sunday, and then our deacons and Sunday school teachers, discipleship Sunday school workers turned in last Sunday. And I hope you brought a Connect card today. We're, during the invitation, you'll have an opportunity to just come and, and lay your card down on the step in front of one of these crosses. And then we developed a prayer list from those names on those crosses. And this past Wednesday night, we, in our prayer circles, uh, we had na those names printed, and we called those names out before the Lord in prayer. And so uh, I hope you brought your Connect card today, that you're making a connection with someone. I had an opportunity to connect with two in a restaurant the other day. And um, restaurants and laundromats, those are my favorite places to go to make connections. Everybody's got to eat. Everybody washes their clothes. So if you've been out with me, you know we've hit a laundromat time or two. You know, I always catch them in there. <laughs> And I mean that in a good way. But uh, let me encourage you, to, if you haven't turned in a Connect card, I pray the Holy Spirit will lead you to do that today. There's some there in the back of the chair. And if you would take that with you, and a connection is made when that person says, yeah, I'll be there. Unless I'm hindered in some way that I can't help, I'll be there. That's a connection. Not an invitation, but you've got to make a connection. And these people's names, you see, these cards represent uh, souls, people, souls. And uh, we're asking you to make connections with those who've never trusted Christ or with those who are Christians that are just unchurched right now and they don't have a church home or not attending church. Go ahead and make a connection because if God puts someone on your mind, on your heart, and just at the close of this service, you're going to ask him to do that, and I believe he will, then it's up to us to make that connection. Mark chapter, if you would, look at Mark chapter 2. I'm going to share Mark chapter 2. And preached this uh, revival uh, at Vina here the other day, but God had given it to me. And as we, think about, as we think about friends and bringing friends to Jesus, one of the favorite passages that, uh, that we love to go to is Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, and we'll read uh, verses 1 through 12 out of God's inspired, his inerrant, his infallible word. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. 
And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised abroad, or it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word to them. Speaking of Jesus. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they, uh, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Father, thank you for an opportunity. We've had to come into your presence today and worship, and now as we open your, your infallible, your inerrant, your inspired word, knowing it is the, 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 the word of God, help us, we pray, to, to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts through your word. May we be guided by your Holy Spirit. Be with me as I share this morning. Give me the voice I need. And may I, may I share in the right spirit. And Lord, in the love of the Lord Jesus, with the conviction of your word, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 28, just for a reference also, Matthew 28, you don't have to turn, you remember this verse. I'm going to be sharing with you, uh, bringing a friend to Jesus, but you remember the command given in Matthew 28, 19, says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So we have a commission. We call it the Great Commission. I like to refer to it as the Great Commission. We're on mission with God in reaching a lost world to Him. And so we're, we're on mission with God. This is the Great Commission. And in Acts also, you remember Acts chapter 1. Listen to God's word in uh, Acts 1 verse 8. you familiar, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, uh, be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Read recently in regards to a Gallup poll that 67% of the unchurched, those who don't attend church anywhere, say that they have never been invited to church. 67% 67% that don't attend church, so they, nobody's invited me to church. 
76% also said that if a friend would tell me what they believe, I would listen. So we have 67 said no one's invited me. We have 76 said if a friend, that is a believer, would tell me what they believe, I would, I would listen to them. 53% of the unchurched would welcome a knock on the door, even, even to a stranger, to invite them to church. 86% of those who trust Christ came because of a simple invitation of a friend. And with all of that, only one out of 14 churches have an intentional plan of reaching the lost people with the gospel. And the number one reason that people gave why they do not, or why they visit a church who are not presently attending a church, it's not because of the nursery, it's not because of youth ministry or the children's ministry, it's not because of the, the choir, the music. It's, they visit a church, not because of the preaching. They visit a church. Number one reason is because they were invited by a friend. That's the number one reason people give. They were simply invited by a friend. So that brings a big question. The question is this, what motivates us, what should encourage us, challenge us, or inspire us to invite or to bring a friend, a neighbor, or a family member? What would encourage us, motivate us to bring a person to Jesus? What would do that? Well, Mark chapter 2, look at verse 1 and 2. Jesus came to Capernaum, probably went to Peter's house. I had an opportunity to go to Peter's house uh, years ago when I went to Israel. To what's left of it, it's really the pillars, the only thing standing there primarily now. And so they, they think it was at Peter's house. He, he went to Peter's house uh, several times. And when he gets there, there's this huge crowd. Verse 2 said there was no place to receive them. It was a packed out house. Well, last night, the beast feast, we had this room full. We had, man, we had several out in the foyer. We had some in an overflow room here, just a very few. But this room was packed out. But you're not talking about a church building. You're not talking about the synagogue. You're talking about a packed out house, a dwelling place, a packed out house. And the Bible says that it, there was standing room only and says you couldn't even get near the door. That's how many people were in that house. If you'll notice there, Jesus, when he, when, he, when he stood up, he didn't sing to them. He didn't tell any jokes. He didn't entertain them in any way. The Bible says he just simply preached the word to them. You know, the best way, the best way, really, to get people to come to church is just preach the word. That's why Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'll draw all men unto me. And so a church, a Bible-believing church that teaches the Word and preaches the Word, you'll find sooner or later people will attend that church. And Jesus just stood up and preached. And he preached the Word to them. You know, he preached the Word. Now, the word preach there is kind of like the word love uh, in the Greek. You know, love, we have not one English word for love. We have L-O-V-E, love. I, I love my wife, but... You know, you say, I love my wife, but I love my dog. Well, we only have one love, one word for love. But in the Greek, they had three words. They had this thing called filio love, which is friendship love. A filio, I have, this is my filio, this is my friend. I love my friend, that's friendship love. And then you have eros love, and eros love is that sensual, sexual love. 
And then you have this agape love, and, and that's that self-sacrificing love. And so when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he didn't eros the world, he, he didn't uh, filio the world, but he gave that self-sacrificing love. He agape the world. How do we know that? He gave his only begotten son. And husbands, love your wives, not filio your wife. Now, they need to be your friend. But love your wives, not, not a, a sensual type love. Eros, that, that's included in marriage. But love your wife, agape love, like what? Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so you have three definitions, but here in preaching you have two. We use the word preach, but in the Greek they had this word called kura, uh, kuraso, means to speak with authority. And then you had lelio, lelio was just a a still, small, calm voice. Calm voice. Just a, a calm voice. And so Jesus was just conversing the word of God. He was just speaking in a mild, calm-like voice. You know, we sing the song, In the Garden, and there's a verse in there that says, you know, he speaks at the sound of his voice. All the birds hush their, uh, their singing. The melody he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his very own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. Just a still, small voice, walk, conversation with Jesus. And that's what he was doing here. And he spoke the word of God, sweet, gentle, compassionate tone voice. And while he was preaching on the inside, something was happening on the outside. Verse 3 says four men were trying to get a friend to Jesus on the outside. And, uh, and in Israel, as you look down, those of you may have been there, you look down, everything's on a hill. Everything's on a hill. And you look down, you see a flat roof in front of you, and they, they dry their, 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 their vegetables out there. They... They sit out there, it's kind of like a big patio, they would thresh wheat out there. And so you have this big, you have this big roof, thatched roof, and they're starting to cut a hole in the roof. Now why did they do that? Well, I believe personally that Jesus had met a need in their life somewhere along the line. He'd met a need in their life. And they knew that Jesus could meet a need in their friend's life. And they had to get him to Jesus. They, they had to get him to Jesus. And so Jesus, they knew that Jesus could meet the need in the life of their friend. Now in John chapter 4, you'll find where you remember the story of the woman at the well. You know, the woman at the well, and she came to Jesus, and, and he began to speak to that woman, surely probably the same way he spoke at this, uh, at this house. And she was a woman that everybody looked down upon. They looked down upon her because of her race, because of her character, because of her morality. She was a very immoral person. The Bible says she was an adult. She was an adulterer. She had five husbands. She was a fornicator. She was living with a man. But she had this encounter with Jesus. That's the important part. Don't get focused on all the other. Get focused on the important part that she had this encounter with Jesus. In John chapter 4, verse 29, she said, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And then in verse 39, John 4, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testify, he told me all that I ever did. So she just shared a brief testimony. And because of her testimony, I'll tell you what Jesus did for me. And that's what she did. And because of her testimony, many people believed in Jesus. And so to today, 
these men brought their friend to Jesus because he'd met a need in their life. They knew he could meet a need in their friend's life. If you jotting down notes, I jotted down number two. They brought him because they were concerned about his need. Uh, he, he was sick. He, the Bible said he, had, he was physically sick. He had this palsy. Now, the palsy is when your nerves just totally relax in your body and you just flop around like a rag doll. Uh, cerebral palsy. It's, it's, uh, it's where you, you don't have control of your nerves. Our little granddaughter has cerebral palsy below her waist, and she, she really can't control her feet or her legs. You pick her up, and, and she suffers also from dystonia where her legs are stiff, and they, they give her Botox shots, and it loosens her legs up, you know. And so, and we're hoping that she's going to be able to walk, but she has this, has this nerve condition, and this, this guy, same way, and they knew his physical condition, and uh, they were willing to do what they could. They wanted to take him to someone they knew that could meet his need. So they were concerned about this friend's need. But see, his greatest need was not physical. His greatest need was a spiritual need. That was his greatest need. I mean, just what would happen today if we showed as much concern about people's spiritual need as we do their physical needs? I mean, we'll, we'll do everything we possibly can to help someone's physical condition. We'll take them anywhere. We'll get them what they need. We'll buy medication if we have to. We'll help pay deductibles. We'll do anything to meet their physical need. But what about their spiritual need? So, you know, we'll do food, medicine. We'll carry them to the doctor. We'll, we'll sit with them in the hospital. But, uh, listen, a real friend is someone who, who cares for your soul. That's a friend. That's why the psalmist said in 142 verse 4, I look on my right hand, behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. That's a sad state of event. When people care more about your physical than they do your spiritual. And so they brought their friend to Jesus because they were concerned about his need. His physical need. But the strange thing about this all, Jesus, that wasn't his primary concern, if you'll notice that. The Bible says that there's coming a day when the Lord's going to judge the secrets of man's heart. And just because this man was crippled with a palsy did not mean that he wasn't crippled with this thing called the disease of sin. He was a sinner like everybody else. He had a physical condition, but he also was crippled with palsy. And you know what? At first, Jesus didn't say nothing about his palsy. Because the greatest need to Jesus was not his palsy, but that his sins be forgiven. And so right up front, right off, Jesus said to this man, this man's your son, your, your sins are forgiven. And so this man's sins was more serious to Jesus than his palsy. Whatever you got going on in your life, the most important thing to Jesus is your soul. That's the most important thing. He, that's why he came from heaven to die on the cross. Not that you, that you wouldn't get sick. We're, we're human. We have frail bodies. We're going to do that. But that you'll have eternal life. We know we're limited here. But we know Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly here, but in the hereafter, eternal life. So Jesus, if you'll notice there, Jesus in verse 5, he dealt with the man's sin before he dealt with the man's healing. 
That's very important. And so they brought their friend to Jesus because they knew that Jesus could meet their need. And then, if you'll notice real quick, they, they brought their friend to Jesus in spite of the obstacles. You see that? The picture there? They, they, they had met, they, they had a need met by Jesus. They were concerned about their friend's need. They knew who could meet their friend's need. But when they got to the house, they had some obstacles. You notice that? Let me just say this. You're always going to have obstacles when you try to bring people to Jesus. You're going to have obstacles, a lot of obstacles. Main obstacles, time. You're going to have to take time to connect with somebody. Time. Set aside a time. I'm going to connect with a friend, a family member, a relative who doesn't know Christ, who's out of church. I'm going to make it a point to give 15 minutes, 20 minutes today to connect with that person. You know, connecting with friends about Jesus takes time, and time at times is an obstacle. So it takes time to be a friend. It takes time to talk with a friend, to visit a friend, to write a note to a friend, to call a friend on the phone. It's going to take you time. So, sad thing, some of you may have never brought anyone to Jesus, just simply, and you may have never made a connection yet. We've been talking about this since September 1, simply because you just haven't gave them the time to make that connection. But if you really want that person to meet the person that can, can meet their need, you know, you're going to have to take time. But then there's some other roadblocks there. The hypocrites, you know, they block the door to Jesus. You're going to have that. You're going to have hypocrites everywhere. Hypocrites in this church. Jesus had to deal with hypocrites. You're going to have hypocrites till the Lord comes back. He says, just let the wheat and the tare grow together. One day I'm going to make a separation. I'll put the wheat in my barn and I'll burn the tares. But until then, don't you try to make the separation. Why is that? Because you may pull up some of the tare, some of the wheat with the tares. But you're going to have hypocrites. But don't let them block your way to Jesus. If you're here today and you're, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm as good as that old hypocrite down there at Mountain View. You know, you probably are. But don't let them keep you from being saved. You need to come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus today. So don't let hypocrites. And then you have a troublemakers there in verse 6. you got scribes and, and uh, you know, whenever, wherever God's about to work, you're going to find a troublemaker somewhere that's going to try to stir up a stink or cause a problem when people are coming to Jesus. So they're, they're going to gossip and they're going to complain. They're going to criticize and they're going to do all they can to quench the Spirit. But don't let a troublemaker keep you from coming to Jesus. Don't let a troublemaker hinder you from going to a person. Look at verse 4. There in verse 4 in Mark chapter, um, in Mark chapter 2, he says, uh, And when they could not come into the knife of the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy, palsy lay. So Jesus is preaching, and in that soft, kind, gentle voice, and all of a sudden, dust started kind of drifted down in the air, and they look up, and somebody's removing the roof. And um, Peter, no doubt, his house kind of got concerned about that, and, and so, uh, but he didn't care. He, didn't, he really didn't care. He took the roof off to get a person to Jesus. Years ago, went to Guatemala, went to a little, went to a little village, dirt road, one of these wells out in the, in the middle of the village, you know, and people drawing water, and, and we're gonna we're gonna meet in a little house, and it had two rooms, had uh, had two rooms, had a wall between the living room and the kitchen, 
And in the living room, there was three beds. And there was pegs on the wall for them to hold, hang their clothes. And there was a husband and a wife, and a, a husband and wife and two children. And the husband and wife, one bed, two kids, they, they had a bed each. And we, we were going to meet in that house. And, and it wasn't much bigger than the study in here. Uh, my study are, are just a, probably about like a, oh my goodness, it's probably a 10 by 15, something like that. No, not much larger than it. And when I got there early that afternoon, that man was, it was a brick wall, home, you know, mud bricks, and they made them themselves. And this man was taking a chisel, and he was taking down that brick wall where we could get more people in that house. Would you do that? Would you, would you say, hey, we're having a cottage prayer meeting. We're not going to be able to hold everybody. Let's take this wall out here in the living room and get everybody. <laughs> really? They did that. And, they, and she was loading a brick, Judy. She was loading a brick. <laughs> and they were wheeling it out and dumping it right there, right off to the side of the front door. And, they, and I went back four or five hours later for, for that, for that uh, time for me to, to speak to the people, and that wall was gone, and they'd open, they had the kitchen, the living room, everything was all together. They did that. They opened up their house. That's what happened here at Peter's house. Peter, <laughs> Peter didn't get upset. And all of a sudden, Jesus is, is preaching, and this man's Lord right there in front of him with, by his friends who brought him to the person who could meet his need. And notice what he said to the man there in verse 5. We're about finished. When he saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, uh, you're healed. No, he didn't say that. What did he do? He said, your sins are forgiven. He took care of his sins first. And on down in those verses, you'll find where he took care of his healing. He, says, he said this, this is neat. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven. Now that word son is a real important word because he used that word son and that put him right into the family of God. See, as many as received him, to them he be, they became the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so he became a son of God. Son, that put, that put him in fellowship with God. Son is a great word to be called a son, to be called a child of God. So what motivates, what's encouraged, what inspires us to bring a friend to Jesus? Well, they had a need met by him. Uh, they were concerned about a friend. They knew Jesus could meet his need. They were, they were trying to take their friend to Jesus regardless of the circumstance. I'm going to tell you what, I believe with all my heart they were enthusiastic about reaching a friend for Jesus. Enthusiastic. I'm enthusiastic about my friendship connection, friend day. I'm enthusiastic. Look that word up. The word enthusiastic comes from a Greek word that literally means in God. Now follow me here. thought it was really interesting. The point is the Greeks believed that a God with a little g, a God could enter a person and inspire or enthuse that person. They believed that. Now, the English word enthusiasm takes on the meaning God in you. Now, the Greek word enthuse is not found in the New Testament. But, but the emphasis on God's presence, now listen, the emphasis on God's presence which energizes the believer is a recovering, a re reoccurring, commentator said, a reoccurring theme throughout the New Testament. 
that this thing about the emphasis on God inside of me that encourages me to bring someone to Him. That's a real current theme in the New Testament. In John 14, verse 20, John 14, 20, I think that, that may be on our screen. John 14, 20. Listen to what Jesus said. And that day you shall know that I, I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now, something's going to happen if you've got Jesus in you. And the main thing's going to happen is that you're going to tell somebody about Jesus. And that's what the Bible says. If you'll go back, uh, if you'll go back to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all, all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the, of the world. God in you, bringing about a witness into the world. Acts 1, verse 8, after you receive this, the Holy Spirit of God, you shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. There's something about Jesus in you that will enthuse you, that will encourage you, that will give you a passion to bring other people to Jesus. The passion, the enthusiasm for ministry, for service, comes from God in you. Now, listen carefully. Just, just uh, raise up in the seat a minute, because if you don't hear nothing else, hear this about reaching people for Jesus. Your enthusiasm, your passion, your intense encouragement for the work of the Lord through serving with your spiritual gifts and natural abilities. Your, your, your passion for your attendance in a small group Bible study on Sunday morning or a worship service or a Sunday night discipleship or a Wednesday night, your enthusiasm, your passion for the way you give your tithe to the Lord, your passion for your, for your giving, your passion for being a part of a, a small group, a closed-in group where there's two or four or six like a D group, your passion to be a part of that. Your passion to be a part of Sunday school. Your passion to be a part of worship. Your excitement about being here today is directly related to your fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. Wow. You don't want to go to church? That just simply means you're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When He comes to live within you, He gives you a passion and an enjoyment and a desire to do the will of God for your life. And if you're absent of that today, or it's waning, there's serious issues. If you don't have it at all, you need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And, and when He comes to live in you, He's just not in there, never showing up, but He gives you this burning desire. That's why Jeremiah, that's why the prophets had this burning desire to tell people about God and and, and to prophesy about the coming Messiah. That's why Paul had this burning desire, although he was shipwrecked and although he was beaten and, and although he was put in a pot of oil, he still had this passion, this burning desire. Now, what caused that? God was in him. He was in him. So all through the Scripture, God's people were enthusiastic about what God, what, what God did for them when he came to live within them. And so passion for inviting a friend has nothing to do with self-motivation. It has God working in you that brings that about. 
and submitting to God's will. I'm going to close with this. I know I'm over, but God will forgive me. Listen to this. Jay Strack told that he was out in the Middle East trying to witness to an Arab guide. And this Arab just wasn't interested in talking about Jesus. Jay kept per- persisting to talk to him and pestering him. And finally the Arab just got upset and said, I don't want to hear anymore. And finally Jay said, I just want you to know that I'm sharing Jesus Christ with you because I love you and I want you to go to heaven. And that Arab didn't say anything for a while. And finally he said, Jay, I apologize. I understand that you don't want to commit the sin of the desert. You don't want to commit the sin of the desert. Jay Strack said this. He said, uh, I don't know what it means, but it sounds pretty bad. And he said, Jay, would you like to know what the sin of the desert is? And he said, yes. He said, the sin of the desert is to know where there's water, but you won't tell anyone about it. Wow. You know what the sin of the desert is? For you to know where the living water is, and you won't tell anybody about it. It's, it's where you know where the bread of life is, and you won't tell anybody about it. You won't take the time, you won't make a call, you won't make a visit. You think this is for somebody else, and Brother Sam is just doing a program. It's not a program, it's Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and we're doing all we can to compel them to come in where they can know where the water is and where the bread is. And so as we finish up, just pray, God, help us and have mercy on us. When we walk so far away from God and we're so void of the fullness of the Holy Spirit that there is no passion and there's no enthusiasm for the things of God are serving God. And that passion is there because, should be there because Christ is in you and is in me. And if that passion's not there, then you need to be filled with the Spirit. And listen, that's not having more of the Spirit. You know, you get all the Spirit when you got saved. You got all the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is the Spirit having more of you, not you having more of the Spirit. And so how's your passion? You know where the water is? You know where the bread of life is? Don't commit the sin of the desert. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence this morning and think about these four guys cared a friend of Jesus. I preached from this passage many times, and today you've just spoken to my heart in a different way. Lord, as we think about enthusiasm, we think about passion and where that comes from, and it's God in us. And God, if, you're, if we're not passionate, then we have quenched the Holy Spirit in our life some way we're not being we're not full of the holy spirit you command us be you filled with the spirit and so not that we have more of the spirit but you have more of us and so we pray today that we'll surrender more of us today than we did yesterday in jesus name